0: Career back in 1949 he was arrested and convicted of murder and he was sentenced to life in prison now he's put into prison but after after several years they moved him from a federal penitentiary to a to a prison farm in nashville tennessee and he worked in that prison farm for a number of years but in 1968 his sentence was terminated so what they did is they ended up writing a letter. They sent it to the, the prison in Nashville, Tennessee, the farm, in order to let him know that he had been freed from prison. Uh, what's strange, though, is he never received the letter. And so he continued working at that prison as a prisoner for the next 10 years. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I would think that if I had an important piece of information that was going to give me freedom, or an important piece of information that was going to totally and radically change my life, and yet I never received that message, I think I would be a little bit on the irritated side. And I would be awfully grateful, everybody else would be awfully grateful that it wasn't my wife. So, man, I'm telling you. So anyway, so this guy, for 10 years, continued working as a prisoner when, in fact, he was free because he never got the message. Now, I, I think that that story, in a real sense, fits in with our series that we're going through. And this is the second week. Next week is the last week. It's called Share. And we have a commandment from Jesus that one thing that we are all called to do as believers, as followers of Jesus, is to share our faith, to tell other people about him. Now, the question is, well, why are we to do that? And the reason why is very simple. It's because Jesus has the power and the ability to free people from the bondage of their lives, to to free people who were living as prisoners in a world that is very dark. And so we have a calling to share. But if we don't share that message, then it's very similar to the story of the man who was given freedom, and yet he never knew it. And so Jesus calls us to share a message of freedom because he gives hope, because he gives life. That's why Jesus said in John 14, verses 1 through 3, your heart must not be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places, and if not, I would have told you, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. He said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, why do we want to share this message? Well, if you really take time to read John 14, 1 through 3, it's because Jesus promises restoration. He promises a home for those who follow him forever in a place called heaven. That's what I call good news. And so today in our passage of scripture, we're going to see what it takes for us to actually share the message of Jesus with people. To share with, the, with people the message of hope that we've been given. Now, I think we have a lot of preconceived ideas about what it means to share our faith. And it sort of scares us and makes us nervous. We think, if I'm really going to share my faith, then what that's going to mean is I'm going to have to put on a suit. And I'm going to have to go to people's houses door to door and knock on their door and say, let me talk to you about Jesus. And that kind of idea really makes most people nervous. And there's some other people and we think about the idea of sharing our faith and we think, well, I've got to have a lot of knowledge. I've got to have a doctorate in theology or a doctorate in apologetics to be able to do this. But we're going to see in our text today, it's not true. We're going to see in our text today that Jesus very simply shares with us some things that we can do to successfully share Jesus with other people. And so we're going to look to see how to do that. Uh, do that today in Mark chapter five, verses eighteen through twenty. Now, if you're already at that passage of scripture, I want to, I want to give you a background to what's going on in this story before we read it. What had happened is Jesus, at this time, he was in northern Israel, and up in northern Israel, there's a, there's a big lake. It's known as the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee is sort of a misnomer because you think of it being like a sea. It's it's a lake that is about seven miles across. It's 13 miles long. And Jesus was like over in the, the northwestern corner of the lake, and he crossed over to the other side. wasn't a real long trip. So he crosses over to the other side. But when he gets to the other side, he has an encounter with one of the weirdest people that is mentioned in all of the Bible. He gets out of the boat, and he comes across a guy who lives full-time, in a cemetery. Okay, that's a little odd. But he lives there full time and he doesn't wear clothes. That's even weirder. And the guy, the Bible says he's demon possessed. He gashes himself where he bleeds. And he howls like a dog. Okay, so this is who Jesus comes across. That's a great welcoming committee. I mean, that's not We don't look for people like that to greet you when you walk into village church, right? That's kind of off-putting. So here's this guy and he comes to Jesus. He is obviously a messed up man but Jesus touches the man and totally transforms his life transforms his life to where the man all of a sudden now he is in his right mind and so Jesus gives him instructions on what he's to do next you know what Jesus tells him to do he says i want you to share me with other people and that is the command that Jesus has for those of you who claim to be followers of Christ as well he gives you a command to share so so, how do we do that? And, and I think a lot of times what we do is we make it very difficult. But when I look at our scripture today, I mean, it's not as difficult as we make it seem like it is. And so if we're going to share successfully, Jesus says this. If you're going to share successfully, and this includes me and it includes you, he says you need to start sharing at home. It begins in the home first. Uh, verse number 18. It says as he was getting into the boat, and Jesus is getting ready to leave at this time, The man who had been demon-possessed kept begging to be with him, but he would not let him. Instead, he told him, go back home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Now, my my wife Emily is a realtor, and one of the things that she's told me, and and there's some of you that are realtors as well, whenever it comes to a piece of property... There, there, there's one thing that is more important just about than anything else. And it's three words, and it's the same three words. What is it? Location, location, location. Is that right, Randy? Absolutely, brother. Location matters. Let me tell you something. You can have the nicest house in the world, but if it's not in a good location, it really doesn't matter. Uh, Whenever uh, Emily and I were first married, we lived in eastern North Carolina. And there was this house that was for sale. I mean, it was like a 3,000 square foot home. It was a really pretty home, but it was on sale for about $40,000. It's like, what is up with that? We've got to buy this house. Well, it was location, location, location. Right next to that house was a hog farm. Now, if you've never been near a hog farm, let me tell you something. It does not smell like roses. It was absolutely horrible. Now, the location determined the price and the value of that house. So Jesus told this man here, he said, listen, I want you to share. He said, but what's important whenever you share Jesus with others is location, location, location. And Jesus said, I want you to begin sharing in your home. Verse number 18 again. He says, go back home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So so where was home for this guy? Well, if you get down to like verses 19 and 20, it says that he lived in the region of Decapolis. And a Decapolis is, if you can take those two words separate them, deca means ten, polis means city. So it was the region of ten cities. They've actually excavated this area today. So it was a real place. So, Jesus said, I want you to go back to where you're from, and I want you to share Jesus with these people. Now, now, why would he tell this guy to go back home? The guy wanted to follow Jesus and hang out with him. But Jesus said, No, go back home. Real simple. Because this was an area that was, it was a Gentile area. It's not where the Jewish people lived. They didn't, they were not in the habit of just worshiping one God they worshiped many gods so they really didn't know about Jesus so Jesus said I want you to be a missionary where you're from because one they know you because two you speak their language you know their customs you know what they're like and you will be effectively able to share me more than other people would be able to do and guys the same thing is true for us if you want to be a person who shares Jesus, it's got to start where you live. You know who knows you better than anybody else? You know who speaks your language better than anybody else? It is the people that you live with. Now, here's the question. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? And, you know, it can be It can be a really good thing. It can also be a bad thing. Because typically the people you live with, they do know you the best. But you will have more impact on them as Jesus has impacted your life when they see the change that has taken place in your life. If we're going to effectively live for Jesus, it's got to begin at home. Because that's the place where, that's where you get to practice living your faith out. And as you live your faith out well at home, you're going to live your faith out well outside of the home. Yeah, y'all heard the, the statement before, practice makes perfect. Did you know that's, that's actually, it's pretty true. The more you practice something, the better you become at it. So you want to make sure that you're practicing the right things. Um, I've, I've shared with y'all before, that one thing I enjoy doing is, I, I like to, I enjoy playing golf, I don't know why, but I enjoy playing golf. I'm not good at it, but it's just sort of fun to play, but I'll, I'll, I don't ever play as good as I want to. And so I'll talk to people and they'll, and they'll tell me, they'll say, listen, if you want to get better at golf, here's what you got to do. You got to practice. And I said, well, what do you you practice? What do you do? What do you do to practice? Well, you know, you go out to the driving range, and you get a bucket of balls out, and you you hit balls, you know. Um, I was talking to Gary Collins. He goes, I like to come out and get about 100 yards away from the green. I'll just hit ball after ball uh, towards the green trying to get better. And I'm sitting there thinking, that sounds awful. I mean, why, you know, I just, because you get hot. I mean, you get hot, and you're sweaty, and you're just standing out there, you know, beating golf balls. on a, I know you're not supposed to do that. That's what I end up doing if I ever practice. I'm like, you know what, I'm going to skip the practice part. Because I think if I just skip, because I'm thinking if I just skip the practice part, I can go directly into the game and it's going to be good. But here's what always happens. I skip practice and then the game's not good. I skip practice, and then I'm not consistent. So the good thing about practice, the idea of it, is if you practice over and over again, then you'll become more and more consistent, and then you'll play better. Now, I believe what's happening too many times for us is as believers, we think, well, I'm going to practice my faith, you know, on game day. And then everything else, and then you know, that's it. I'm not going to do it during the rest of the week. And so then we wonder why we're not as effective. Let me tell you something. If you are practicing your faith and sharing Jesus, talking about Jesus to the people that you live with, uh, let me tell you something. It's going it's to make a difference in your life and their life as they see that you are a person who desires to follow Jesus. So if we're going to successfully share a faith, it's real simple. It's not crazy. It just it starts at home. But, but here's the second thing. If we're going to successfully really share our faith, when you begin to share, you need to be talking about Jesus. Now, I like to share a lot of stuff when I'm at home. You know, as we are moving into football season right now, I have two sons. It is a lot of fun to sit and talk about how the Gamecocks are going to win the national championship this year. You know, so just have a lot of, have a lot of fun talking. But we, we, we talk about those things. But you know, if we really are going to talk about things... That matter? Now I'm not saying you can't ever talk about things like that, but we need to be focusing in also on teaching and talking about Jesus. Not just not just in conversation about anything. We need to be focused also and talk about Jesus. Verse number 19. This is Jesus. He said, but he would not let him. Instead, he told him This is the command he's giving to the man in our scripture today. He said, go back home to your own people and report to them how much, listen to this, the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Jesus told this man to go back to his home. He said, when you go back home, don't just talk about just anything. He said, go back home and talk to people about me. Talk to people about me about jesus talk to people about what jesus has done for you you see he was living in a world that was broken and jesus said if you talk about me and they see your life then he's gonna he said then the people are gonna look at you and say you know what jesus is one we ought to pay attention to because he has the ability to take a life that is broken and he's able to repair it and put it back together now this guy has an amazing story right right the guy that used to live in a cemetery. And now here he is, and all of a sudden, he's been totally restored. But, but what if that had happened to him, and he never told anybody about it? Wouldn't that be strange? People would be talking about him. Remember that guy? He used to, he used to not wear clothes and live at a cemetery. And now look at him. He's a normal. What happened to that guy? If he, if he never shared it, it would be, like, be like a doctor having a cure for a disease, and yet not ever sharing what the cure was. I mean we'd say a person like that would be a person that's a jerk. But but here's here's the deal. Did you know that in a similar sense we do the same thing when we have the story of Jesus and yet we never share it with anybody? You know, whenever we have the answer for people who were busted and broken and messed up, and we don't ever say, Hey, you know what? I know a savior who can restore your life. If, if we don't ever share that, guys, we are guilty. We are guilty of not giving the cure to people. You know, in the, in the Scripture, the Hebrew people back in the Old Testament, in Joel chapter 2, they're getting ready to go into captivity. And Joel gave a message of hope to those people, saying, there's going to be a day when you turn to the Lord, and when you do that, and you trust Him, God will restore you. Powerful scripture. It says, I will repay you for the years that the swarming locust ate, the young locust, the destroying locust, and the devouring locust, my great army that I sent against you. You will have plenty to eat and be satisfied. You will praise the name of Yahweh your God who has dealt wondrously with you. My people will never again be put to shame. That is a message of restoration. And Joel shared it with the people to give them hope. Yeah, we have a message of restoration to share. And give you an example of it. A, a number of years ago, um, Microsoft came out with a program called uh, Microsoft Me. Y'all remember that one, Millennial Edition? I'm not a computer guy, but there's something I liked about this program. And wh- what I liked about it, it had this uh, a restore function on it. So, like, if you ever lost anything on your computer then what you could do is you could go back to the date before you lost it, and it would restore your computer back to that date so that everything was back on there again. I don't know if that makes sense to you all. It does to me. So, you know, I, just, I was like, hey, that's really neat because I, I don't have the mind to go in and find stuff that I've lost, so I just go back to the date and type in the date and go, hey, restore it for me because I don't know what to do. Now, I thought about that, and I thought, wouldn't it be cool if there was like a, a, a Microsoft Me program for you? You know, like whenever you screw up and do stupid things. And you think, wouldn't it be neat if I could just go back to the date before I actually did that and I could be restored? Would that be like a best-selling thing or what? You know, some of us guys are there thinking, I thought of something that I did not do, my wife told me to do, and now she's really ticked off. You just go just go back to your computer, type in the date, and go back, and then you do it. Totally restored. That would be awesome. Well, that in a sense, is—that is, that is who Jesus is. That's what he did for this man. This man's life was broken and Jesus came in and it's like he went back to a date before the man had been broken and he brought him back to a place where he was fixed. He was redeemed. He was restored. And so that is why Jesus said, listen, I don't want you to come with me. Now I want you to go where you are from and I want you to be a missionary for me. Christians, let me tell you something. Church, let me tell you something. We need missionaries in Northeast Columbia. You realize, did you know that there are people today who really don't have an idea of who this Jesus is anymore? You know, we, we don't live in the 1950s anymore. We live in a different world. And people today in Northeast Columbia need to hear that there is a Jesus who restores. You know, Jesus isn't just some really nice guy who happened to be a pretty good teacher. He's different than any other guy there's ever been. That's why Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So if we're going to successfully share, it's got to start at home. If we're going to successfully share, we need to be talking about Jesus. But here's the last one. If we're going to successfully share then we need to personalize it. We need to, make, we need to share them our testimony. Share with them what Jesus has done for us. Verses 19 and 20, last two verses I'll read. It says, but he would not let him. Instead, he told him, go back home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And so he went out and he began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And they were all amazed. You know, whenever it comes to like talking about Jesus to other people, you know, we think pretty much it's like, yeah, you know, that's what preachers are supposed to do. Okay, that's what all believers are supposed to do. And I really believe this: one of the greatest struggles that we have when it comes to talking about sharing our faith is this. What do I say? You know, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to share Jesus to people. I can accept that, but then here's where we get here's where we get messed up a little bit. What in the world am I supposed to say? Now, sometimes we think, well, if I'm going to share Jesus, then, you know, I've got to have a degree. I've got to have some canned approach. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But we make it much more difficult than it really is. The only thing you have to do is look in our text. Jesus said, I want you to share. What did he tell him to do? Well, if you look at verse number 19, here's what he was to share. Jesus said, report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy you on you. That's what he's supposed to share. Jesus is calling for him. He's like, listen, if you're going to talk to me about people, here's what you were to share. You were to share with them what I have done for you. Let me tell you something. There is nothing more persuasive than somebody's personal experience and testimony. Now, you can know, now you can be a Bible scholar, and those are great things. You might say, Listen, I'm able to take, the, you know, the New Testament was mainly written in Greek. The Old Testament was mainly written in Hebrew. And you can, you can just totally astound people by speaking those languages. That's great. I can't do that. But let me tell you what's more powerful than that. When somebody says, this is what Jesus did for me. Okay, it makes a difference. Uh, and this is true in all areas of life. Personal testimonies make a huge difference. I mean, people use them in sales. Um, you know, I, I, I know that uh, just a, a few weeks ago, uh, I ought to get paid for this. But just a few weeks ago, somebody came up to me and said, and I met somebody in church said, "You need to go eat at Saludes." Yeah, have y'all ever heard of Saludes up in Camden? Oh my gosh! And so I heard, I was like, okay, well I'll go up there. They gave me a personal. T- I went up there and ate. It's it's fantastic. It's really. It, but you know what got me to go there? It wasn't a commercial. It was just a personal testimony. Somebody said it's really good. They have great. They have great sauce. Okay, I'm all about that. So I'm we head up there, and I'm like, I'm sold. Good place. Uh, in Bible study, a couple of weeks ago, I was a, the guitarist Chris Journey was in our Bible study. Now I've seen the, I haven't seen the movie Dunkirk yet, but I'm really interested in it. I like history, and I've seen some reviews on it. Chris came in and said, "Man, you've got to see that movie. It's a great movie." Okay, I'm more interested in seeing it now. You know why? Because because I know Chris. You know, I don't know Siskel and Ebert. But I know Chris. I was like, you know, Chris and I, we kind of like some of the same things movie-wise. And I thought, because he said I need to see the movie, I thought, you know what? I'm going to go see that movie. Personal testimony. So what does Jesus tell us to do when it comes to sharing? Jesus says you share your story. Now the question is this. Do you know your story? Are you able to say, I know that this is how Jesus changed my life. Now, if you know how Jesus has changed your life, here's, here's a little encouragement for you. Here's what you can do. You ought to, and I'm being serious, you ought to get a pen and paper and write down, this is how Jesus has changed me. Keep a list of it. Make, make a story. This is what Jesus has done for me. And then as you look at that, you ought to be able, starting in your home, to say, kids, I want to share something with you. I want you to know this is what Jesus has done for me. This is how he's made a difference in my life. Let me tell you something. You share your story. It will make a difference in the lives of the people who know you when they see how Jesus has changed you. So that's the question. What kind of testimony do you have? Can can you look into your life and see how Jesus has changed you? Because if you can, you need to share that because there are people who need to know a God who changed you. A number of years ago, when Joe DiMaggio was still playing baseball for the Yankees, getting later on in his career, and the Yankees had already they had already um, clinched the pennant, but DiMaggio was still, I mean he's playing as hard as he could. And so some of his friends were like, "What is that all about? You know, we've already clenched the we've already clinched the pennant." He sat there playing hard. And so one of them went up to DiMaggio and, and asked him, he said, "Why are you playing so hard?" His answer was great. He said, I'm playing so hard because there might be some people in the stands who've never seen me play before. That's pretty cool. Now, listen to this. As Christians, if you're a follower of Jesus, guys, let me tell you something. If you're a follower of Jesus, you got it made. Really, where the rubber hits the road, you're good, right? It's like, hey, if I die, I'm going to be with the Lord forever. And so you might be thinking, I can coast. I don't have to do anything. I am taken care of. Now, that is true in one sense, but let me tell you something. There are people all around you who have never seen how Jesus has made a difference in somebody's life. And you and I have a story to tell. Not for our benefit, for theirs. Because somebody shared their story with you. And we have a responsibility to share Jesus. See, the greatest endorsement that we can give concerning Jesus is what he's done in our lives. That's what the man in our text did. Jesus said, go back, share with them how Jesus has, had, has, he, has restored you, has had mercy on you. He went back to his hometown. He told the people, if you look in verse number 20, it says, and when they saw him, they were amazed. That word amazed, it means they marveled. They were astounded. Why? Because they knew the guy. They remembered what he used to be like. The guy was a complete nutter he was crazy and then they looked at him and they're like what happened to this guy he said jesus did this to me and now i guarantee you there are some people who became followers of jesus when they heard his story they had to look at that guy and say you know if god can fix that guy man, he can fix me if god, if god could give that man peace of mind he will be able to give me peace of mind as well Now, Christians, here's the deal. We have a calling to share. But there's very few people sharing today. In the last seven years, those identifying as Christians has dropped in America by 8%. More and more people are finding that matters of faith don't matter. And it's all going on during a time where we are seeing unbelievable chaos in our country today and i don't think it's any coincidence we won't see change let me tell you where it's going to happen it's going to happen in the heart of man and there's only one who can change a man's heart and i guarantee it's not politician it's not money it's not your ideology it is jesus and if we are going to see change we need to be Sharing Jesus, the God who restores. Now, the question is, how do we do that? Well, Jesus shares with us. He's a start at home. When you talk to people, talk to your family, talk to them about Jesus. And then you share with them your testimony, how Jesus has changed you. So that's how we begin the process. Now, next week, we're going to get more into application about some actual things that we can do. But really, for those of you who are believers, here's the homework for us. Paper, pen, and write down, how's Jesus changed me? And after you write those things down, you need to tell the people in your home, this is how Jesus has changed me. Because they need to know it. They need to see it from you. Personal testimony is more powerful than anything else that you've done, that you'll do. Now, maybe there are some of you today, and you need to answer the question, Am I a follower of Jesus? And if you're not, you can be today. By just simply calling out to Jesus and talking to Him and doing what Romans 10, 9 says. You confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And that's why you can, you can even pray that right now. You can pray to the Lord and say, Jesus, you are Lord. Confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Y'all, That's a big deal. I believe that Jesus died and that he rose from the grave. Confess with your mouth, Jesus the Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says, and you shall be saved. You turn away from your sin and say, Jesus, I belong to you. I will follow you.